0: I hope they never meet me. But if they have to meet me, I hope they know that they have an ally here in us and a friend and we're here to represent them. We are gonna defend them as best as we can. We may have to tell them some things they don't wanna hear, but I hope that they realize that we're on their side. We want what's best for them, for the company and for the industry as a whole. So that if they do ever have to deal with an attorney, an attorney that's been retained for them by the company, that we're on their side
1: welcome to the oakley podcast trucking business and family this show is brought to you by oakley trucking headquartered in north little rock arkansas the purpose of this podcast is to communicate with oakley owner operators and their families by giving them up-to-date information concerning oakley trucking and the trucking industry from business advice to safety updates to success stories also to give an insight to outside truck drivers that might be interested in joining the oakley family I'm Jeremy Kellett, Director of Recruiting here at Oakley Trucking, and I'm your host for this podcast. This is the Oakley Podcast Trucking Business and Family, and as always, we appreciate you guys joining us every week as we drop a new one on Wednesdays, give you some new content, new material, and hopefully, it's good stuff that educates you on being a successful owner-operator. We appreciate everybody. If you share it with your friends, tell everybody about the podcast, it really does help get us out there, so... We can make a difference, you know, in in some of our truck drivers' lives. That's what the plan is anyway. So today's episode is going to be a good one. I'm going to say probably most of you listening to this podcast, you've probably never even been in an accident and probably more of you has never been in an accident, in a lawsuit that is resulting from an accident. Well, on today's episode, I got the privilege talking to a defense attorney about what happens when a trucking company and a truck driver are being sued due to an accident. And it's going to be a great discussion. we got things that we're going to talk about what a driver can do to help themselves. You know, when it's happening, we're going to get in and talk about maybe some depositions and what to do to help people. Just So I've been looking forward to this. I actually had this professional lady help me answering my request last week and it's just been fantastic i've been looking forward to answering asking her some bunch of questions and talking to her about this because this is where i mean this is where the rubber meets the road this is the stuff that is affecting a lot of the trucking industry in a lot of ways and we're going to get her to explain a lot of stuff to us so let's get started <laughs>
0: Aero Truck Sales has been in business for over 60 years and a longtime partner of Oakley Trucking and the Oakley Podcast. Trey Visor and Keith Wilson do a great job at putting you in the right truck to fit your needs and our needs here at Oakley. They carry all makes and models to choose from with on-site financing through transport funding. So whether you're a seasoned owner operator or a first-time buyer, be sure to contact Keith Wilson at Aero Truck Sales at 573-216-6047 and tell him you heard it on the Oakley Podcast.
1: Andrea Albert with Galloway Law Firm out of Mandeville, Louisiana. Is that right, Andrea?
0: That's right. That's where my office is. It's in the greater New Orleans area.
1: Okay, gotcha. Well, first of all, thank you for doing this. I know you got a lot of stuff going on, especially when you are defending trucking companies. You are a busy lady. But if you would give our listeners just a little bit of background on you and history, please.
0: All right. So, again, my name is Andrea Albert. I've been practicing law for a little over 22 years. I've based my practice in the New Orleans area over here at Galloway. I practice in the entire state of Louisiana, and I also am licensed to practice in Texas. About 80% of my practice is focused on transportation. It, It is defending transportation companies, rideshare companies, or anything to do with transportation. Uh, If you would have asked me when I came out of law school 22 years ago, if I was going to be a trucking attorney, I probably would have said, "Mm, probably not. Didn't know, but you land where you land. And this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I love truckers. I love transportation companies and I am always one that will tell anybody in a room that has anything to say about a trucking company or a trucker that you can look around the room. You can look at everything on your body and the food that you just put in your mouth and the coffee that we just got out of the coffee pot and a trucker brought that to you. So if you have something to say about them, you need to consider everything that you have and that the trucker is who brought it to you. So, with that in mind, I, I am a passionate advocate for the transportation industry.
1: Fantastic! It's good to see somebody on our side. You know, once in a while, Andrea, it's uh, unfortunate out there in the, you know, in the public's view, and it, it seems like it's always a, a truck driver and a trucking company is a target. You know, and we just are constantly got to be ready to defend ourselves from everybody from I mean everybody knows it they see it I've had we've talked about it with Shannon Newton Arkansas Trucking Association president about you know the billboards everywhere the commercials running everywhere hit by a truck call me I mean it's just it's overwhelming that it's it puts us in a bad situation so we have to reach out to people like you and I'm so glad there are people like you in this business to help truck drivers and trucking companies you know So, so you've got an opportunity here. We got a, we've got a great following of truck drivers, owner operators and their families, and you've got a great opportunity here to maybe break the ice between an attorney and a truck driver that is involved in an accident to help them understand that maybe you're on their side and you, and we're doing this together type deal. So I don't know where you really want to start. I had a few questions, but, you know, maybe some of the things that the prosecutors on the other side, what do they focus on when it comes to trucking companies and truck drivers?
0: Well, I think honestly, the best ways, place to start is at the beginning. Okay. So an accident's happen, What do I do? I don't know. I'm sure. Well, I shouldn't say, I don't know. I would think a, a lot of the industry is very familiar with the fraud ring that we had going down when, down here in New Orleans. So it may be I've had an accident and I'm aware of it and now what? Or I just got chased down and told I had an accident and I was completely unaware of it. So what do you do? I'll tell you the first thing that and I think most companies advise their drivers of this is to not say too much at the scene. You don't need to talk to the other party. Uh, If there's a medical emergency, you should certainly, you know, call 911 and do those appropriate things. But you don't need to speak with the other party or necessarily give any type of statement. You do need to cooperate with the police. And so you should give a statement to the police. You do need to call your safety team, which is honestly, unless there's a medical emergency, you can call them first, call 911 and get those things out of the way. But a lot of times after that, you may go about your way and you don't hear anything. And so you get a call one day, maybe from an attorney like me, because but depending on the state you're in, there's different time periods that people have to file a lawsuit. So Louisiana is one year, but Mississippi next door is two years. You know, everything's a little different, but you get an, a, a call from an attorney. And I'll tell you, the biggest problem we have at the outset is driver cooperation, getting the drivers to what? Well, and I get it. You're getting a call from a random person. And it's not always, you know, I I hope you don't trust me for a little bit at first. But once you realize that I'm representing you, I'm on your side, and I need your participation uh, to get the best result we can, then a lot of times it's hard to keep the drivers involved.
1: Why is that, you think, Andrea, that they... they...
0: I don't know. So it it kind of depends on the situation. There's times where by the time the lawsuit actually comes around, the driver may no longer be with the company. Mm. So, or, you know, and sometimes there's a falling out, Uh, you know, there may have been a Involuntary termination of the driver, or the driver thought there was something unfair going on at the company, you know, whether it was a pay dispute or it can be a lot of things, but they're no longer invested in that company. And when I say invested, I don't mean financially, I mean just career wise invested with that company. And so they don't really see the need to participate because they're like, well, there's insurance out there and the company's going to handle it. So what do they need me for? I actually about six months ago was talking to a driver and I kept having to run this guy down. He would block my number. I would have to go get my legal assistance phone to call from that number. You know, we just couldn't keep him involved. And he, he was mad at the company and he said, look, I don't care what happens to them. You know, I'm not doing it, but here's the problem with that mentality. That was a very defensible case. We had a lot of defenses to liability on it. And It's not just a company issue. When Every time we have to pay out on a defensible case, and I don't mean, I mean, pay out more than we would have to. There's, you know, sometimes we're at a compromise. We may estimate it and say, well, look, I think we take 25% of the fault. So we need to look at that and assess any type of payment there. But when we have a defensible case and we cannot get the driver to participate and which causes the company to overpay the claim, that affects the industry. Because the plaintiff's attorneys and the plaintiff's bars that are focused on handling transportation claims set what they believe the claims are worth with regard to settlement. Just like when they go try a case, they get those jury verdicts and that's why they start determining what claims are worth. If we have a defensible case that we cannot get the driver to participate in and to come in and give testimony regarding, then we overpay the claim and we just move the bar on what these cases are worth. And so it's a bigger picture than any one trucking company or any one driver. And if drivers understand that if they're invested in the transportation industry as a whole, then show up when we need you to show up, return those calls, come in so that we can prepare you for testimony. And it goes a long way. It goes, it just goes a long
1: way. Well, a lot of them, I mean, it's, it happened so fast, probably the accident and then it's a, a long time later before you hear about it and you can't remember, you know, a lot of them probably exactly what happened type deal. And, you know, they just, I would think, I mean, you know, I've been deposed and it's hard, you know, to remember exactly what happened back at that time, but I sure understand the, and I hope these truck drivers understand that the part they're playing is for the bigger picture. For sure. And especially when you have a case, you know, that is defendable, that you feel good about, you know, and you just need their participation. I really never thought that would be one of your major problems that you have in this business.
0: Yeah, it definitely is.
1: I mean, is there something we've actually talked about that before on what a driver can do besides, I guess, communicating is the biggest thing they can do with you, isn't it? They need to do anything at the scene. Does that help a lot?
0: Look, if they can take pictures at the scene, and a lot of drivers do, but one of the important things is to make sure that they maintain the photos. So if you get a new phone and you haven't downloaded the photos into a cloud or something like that, make sure that you have a way that you preserve those photos. Because there are a lot of times that I talk to a driver and I go, you don't have any photos from the scene oh yeah, I took some, but I got a new phone and they're not on this phone and I don't have a way to get to them. I didn't think anything was going to happen with this accident because, you know, they don't hear for a long time. So I would always, if you've had an accident and you've taken photos at the scene, which I hope you do, because you definitely want to take any, a photo of any damage to your tractor or trailer, and you want to take a photo of any damage to the other party's vehicle. And because we use that, the accident reconstruction experts that we retain will use those photos. So we want photos close up of the damage. We want you to step back so that we can see exactly where it falls on the tractor or trailer or vehicle. A lot of times people get close up and take a picture of a photo. I have no idea on the car where that is. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at a piece of metal with a dent. I don't know where that is on the car. So, you know, we need something close up. We need something far away. Look, if if the plaintiff or that's who would be making the claim is walking around at the scene and seems fine video it video it because go. I can't tell you how many times the driver is at the scene and it's some minor incident. Like I let my foot off the brake and I rolled into, I'm out a light, you know, something simple, or it's a little, it's a lane change, maybe a little brush. And they're like, no, everybody got out of the scene and walked around and they were fine and nobody needed an ambulance and everybody seemed fine. And we left. Their car was drivable and we all left. And then a year later, we've got somebody with a cervical fusion looking for top dollar money. So don't ever assume that an accident is minor just because it is. Know that the plaintiffs have a way to work the cases up. There might be, and it might be something that we have to go argue about a pre existing injury that we're going to say we didn't cause this. So Videoing at the scene, taking photos of everything, and making sure you give a complete statement to the police are the best things you can do. The other thing I would say is, you know, always monitor what you say at the scene. You don't need to have any unnecessary dialogue. There's no need to get into a back and forth with the other driver or anything like that. It's better just to stay quiet, answer the police questions, document the scene as best as you can, and move on.
1: Because it's going to come out if you do it's that's gonna that's gonna be one of their cards to play, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah, keep it together. It's speaking of that, you know, maybe video with their phone, um, how has the digital world, digital footprint helped help trucking companies and truck drivers like the Dash Cam and even the phone, you know, being on the phone, that kind of stuff. What's what effects does that have?
0: So the dash cam, I remember when they first, everybody really first started using them and people were scared of them because you kind of didn't know what it was going to show. I find they help more than not. I rarely have dash cam footage where I'm thinking, oh, wow, our driver just blew this one. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times they really help us. Um, I have a couple of cases going on right now where the dash, if we didn't have that dash cam footage, based on what the plaintiff was trying to say happened and what was reported at the scene, we'd be up a creek. Mm. Um, and these aren't necessarily Oakley cases, let me be clear. I'm just yeah. you know thinking out loud. And having that dash cam footage, well, I can think of one right now where the driver said that they weren't stopped in the roadway, but we have dash cam footage. So we can see that the plaintiff was not just stopped on a dark roadway with no lights on. But that's not what they said. Mm. So a lot of time, the dash cam footage helps us out. Here's the thing. When it doesn't help us out and we do make a mistake because every, we're human, nobody's perfect, so we're going to make some mistakes, we know which claims to go ahead and try to resolve. We know um, what yeah. to do. So it, it assists us in that regard, too. I'll tell you, the inward-facing cameras, if anybody has inward-facing cameras, you need to be cognizant of what you're doing. If you have an inward facing camera on you need to pay attention to what I mean we should all be paying attention to what we're doing yeah. regardless but we need you need to be aware that camera is picking up everything that you're doing
1: Yeah so I guess the the inward facing camera probably is not as much of a help to us as the outward facing which just to clarify Oakley does not have inward facing we just have forward facing
0: Yeah, the outward-facing cameras, I find invaluable. I mean, look, they even help in accidents that you don't think it's going to particularly assist you in. I had an accident, and this case is now resolved, where our driver went to change lanes into a right-turning-turn lane. And there was a car that said he sideswiped them. That car, because the dash camera picked up what was going on in the rearview mirrors, Uh that car sped up. As he changed lanes, sped up and got on the side of him. Now, if we didn't have that dash camera, we would never be able to see what happened in that rear view mirror. We were able to send it over to an accident reconstruction company that could assess it and make sure there was no distortion from us viewing this in the mirror. And put together an opinion in that regard so that we could actually argue that the plane of sped up, sped into our lane of travel after we had already crossed over the lane into the lane so there are a lot of things the dash cameras help i mean there was another case with whom i could tell you war stories all day that the plaintiff said that we had taken a certain route before the accident occurred well because we have a dash cam and again this was a rear an accident that would have been a side swipe towards our the rear of the track trailer we were able to show by the dash cam that they were lying because we didn't take that route Uh. now it Didn't show any accident. Honestly, to this day, I don't think any accident occurred. It didn't show any accident, but what it also showed was that they completely lied about what we were doing before the accident because that dash camera showed where we were traveling. Mm. So they're very helpful. The outward facing dash camera is very helpful. The inward, it's only going to show me what you're doing and not doing. So if you're picking your nose or you're eating or you're doing whatever, (laughs) it's going to show me those things. So that's why I say, if you are a driver that's listening that has an inward-facing dash camera, be cognizant because it is picking up everything you're doing.
1: Which was, I guess, kind of the second part to that question I ask you, It I would think would be some of the hard things for you to defend that the driver may be doing. And that takes me to the phone. You know, is the cell phone a major very difficult to defend device
0: if your hands free we're in a but much better situation a lot of times that's your word but i I, you know i haven't really encountered any drivers that are holding a phone anymore i mean nobody has to you should be able to get it through a headpiece you know some sort of bluetooth or whatever headpiece and Or, you know, even in my car, it comes through the speakers of the car. We don't really have a need to hold a phone anymore. So I will say this. You need to make sure you're following the laws of the state in which you are driving. So you need to be aware of those. And you need to make sure you are following your company policy. So some companies have a hands-free policy where you're allowed to be on the phone, but it needs to be hands-free. Other companies have a no phone activity at all policy while you're driving. Please follow your company policy. Please follow the local laws. That's when I have a problem. We, as long as we are following policy and laws, um, we're in pretty good shape. But when we violate those, now we've got a driver who's not following the policy set forth by the company they work for or the laws of the state in which they were driving.
1: Do the plaintiffs go, do they always try to determine whether that driver was on the phone or not? Is that a big deal for them?
0: A good plaintiff's attorney will. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah because I'm assuming they're headed for the distraction part of it.
0: It's for the distraction part of it. They're going to get to argue that. If you were on the phone, they, they will try to argue distraction. So, I, you know, look, if you're asking me what I prefer when I'm defending a driver, I don't want you on the phone. Now, you may have a playlist, you know, that you're playing music through or something, which that's fine. But I'm talking about when I say on the phone, having a conversation with somebody on the phone, certainly by all means, never texting. Please do not do that. Um, And don't be fiddling with your playlist. Get one going and leave it alone. You don't want to have your hand anywhere near that phone. So, you know, and look, in all fairness, I go after every plaintiff in their phones. I want to know if they're distracted on the phone. I want to know if they're texting and driving. So I don't have a case where I'm not subpoenaing phone records.
1: Yeah. Do you see much, I know occasionally we do, where they go back to, it seemed like it was brought up a few years ago. The big deal was negligent hiring to where maybe that person shouldn't even have been hired or leased on as an owner operator to that company.
0: Yeah. So we. Louisiana had a change in law about a year or so ago. We used to, or the case law used to be that they couldn't make a claim against the company for vicarious liability, meaning they're liable for what the driver does while the driver's under the employment and under their dispatch. That's kind of a very simple explanation versus independent negligence where the company is negligent because of improper hiring, failure to train, all those kind of good things. So. Before a year ago, the courts had said you can't have both claims, so we could get the independent negligence claims dismissed. But the Supreme Court came back and said, no, you can have both claims. So we do have to look at, you know, the company's own due diligence with regard to the hiring of drivers, what type of background research they did on making sure the driver qualification file is up to date and that proper training is going on.
1: Yeah, I figured that was kind of... You know, one of the first things that they look into, whether they met the the criteria that the, the company requires, you know, and didn't hire somebody that shouldn't have been hired. Uh, I can see where some of that happens for sure. One of the other questions, actually I had, I had a couple people, Roger sent me a couple questions to ask you, which you might already answered them. Let me look here. What do plaintiff attorneys find or discover that makes carrier drivers an easy mark for filing suit against?
0: Hmm. I think, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think just being on the road in a big tractor trailer with known minimum insurance limits makes you the easy mark. Yeah. If there could be any impact out there with anybody on the road, but you don't know what their insurance is. They might just, in Louisiana, it's a minimum limit at 15000 But you know with a trucking company, there's going to be a million dollars there, minimum. So that's what makes, if that, somebody's going to target it, yeah, that's what it is.
1: That, that's one of the, like we said before, the billboards and the TV commercials and all that, because I guess every trucking company is a target. And I think we just covered also what can the carrier slash driver do to better prepare themselves for the unexpected lawsuit. I think we covered a little bit of that with the uh, when an accident happens and you know video and and uh, cooperating and that kind of stuff. Is there anything else to add to that, Andrea?
0: Yeah, and and that's really it is making sure your safety team knows what's occurred, uh, cooperating at the scene, but not talking more than you have to, maintaining your cool. I know sometimes you're going to be irritated. That's just natural. Uh, but maintain composure and keep your cool and document the scene.
1: You know, the thing I'm sure you've answered uh, a bunch, but it, it made me think about it too the n- nuclear verdicts that's been happening in the trucking world that it just scares. I mean, it scares companies, you know, that it's happening like this. And you wouldn't think from the outside looking in. You know, and you just see the headlines, and you read the story of a company got sued for millions and millions, or I think one hit a billion dollars at one time. It seemed like it was on the news. I mean, you know, as a somebody outside looking in, you think that there's no way. I mean, that a case that an accident could cost that much money. What what's your take on the nuclear verdicts?
0: Well, one of the things I think they're here to stay for a little bit,
1: Ugh. you know,
0: but I will say there's been nuclear verdicts, but there's also been really good verdicts out there too, for the companies. That's uh, good I don't to know. think those, I don't think those get reported as much as people getting a lot of money. I'll tell you, I did a mock trial last year where we ran three jury rooms in a wrongful death matter to get the jury's ideas on what they were going to think because we were actually going to try to put some fault on the deceitants. There were two females that had passed away at the scene and we were going to try to put some. And so we wanted to see how that was going to play with a jury. I'll tell you, juries will go. Each room was different. One room came back with a very low verdict value on it and they bought into the fault of the deceit. The other two rooms, while they did think the decedents had fault, just felt sorry for them and awarded a bunch of money. And it was funny. So when it was done, the psychologists that come in and run these things said, do you understand that y'all gave away generational wealth? This isn't just going to take care of this person's child. This is going to take care of this person's great grandchild, this type of wealth. And they said, are you okay with that? And they're like, "Eh, yeah, we're fine with it. No big deal. So there, there's definitely a mentality of, you know, people are owed a certain thing and it's a little bit of monopoly money. I mean, you know, it's interesting to see, but I think that the perception of payment in a lawsuit and the value of things has just changed. It's just changed over time. And that's where I think we see these verdicts coming in.
1: Yeah. And it's, it goes back to the same old, I mean, they're a big company. They got money. It's the little old me. I don't have any, you know, make them pay type mentality. To me, it seems like, you know, that that's difficult.
0: Yeah. And juries are pretty smart. Like in the one that we mocked tried, there was a third party who had actually abandoned their car in the middle of the roadway at night. So the driver that was approaching, it's kind of hard to describe, but didn't really have anywhere to go. Um, because it was on a bridge. So either way, you know, you're going to, and they didn't leave them enough room. There wasn't a full shoulder. So they, the juries had figured out that the person that abandoned the car in the roadway, there was no money there. So while I think that they would have put fault on that person, and in the discussions did see fault with that person, I mean, they were talking about, well, there's no money there. we got to go to get these people some money. And so it's going to have to be, with the trucking company and that's what we're going to have to do so there's a lot of trade-offs going on in Mm. a jury room
1: Mm.
0: and you know what people do just because they find it to be equitable not necessarily right they don't it's not necessarily right but they believe it to be equitable
1: oakley trucking is a hundred percent owner operator company we specialize in hopper bottom end dump and pneumatic trailers we provide the trailer free of charge and you provide the truck We have a large customer base that reaches the whole United States as well as parts of Canada. Our owner operators live anywhere from Texas to North Carolina to Pennsylvania to Wisconsin and everywhere in between and we get them home weekends. We take it seriously when you join Oakley Trucking because we need you to be successful. Oakley offers great benefits and competitive mileage pay so you know that when your wheels are turning, you're generating money no matter if you're loaded or empty. We understand that you want to make a good living and that you make our living. We only take on independent contractors, and to be honest with you, we are very particular on who we lease on. You must have a good driving record, good work history, and clean, dependable truck. So if you're interested in Oakley Trucking or just want some more information, you can go to oakleytrucking.com, listen to our weekly podcast, The Oakley Podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Real quick, before we, uh, before we wind this thing down, I was, um, always like to hear, you know, so, some real stories, which you've been giving us some great ones. But is there some just minor ones that you would think Uh, You know, somebody there, nothing would come out of it. And then something big came out of it.
0: We see that actually almost every day. Um, Oh, really? Accidents with very little damage, if at all. In fact, I was looking at one just this week where I was like, where is the damage on the vehicle? They had taken pretty good pictures after the accident. I was like, where's the damage? It was one where the, you know, they rolled into them. It was just. And I said, I don't even see any damage, but this person's on their way to get a neck surgery. You know, we see it a lot. So that's why I go back to something I said earlier is don't ever assume because everybody seems fine at the scene and that there really isn't much damage, that there's not going to be a claim later on. Don't get comfortable in that. Go ahead. And I would treat every incident the same. Take your photos, cooperate, document it as best as you can. Because in a year or two years, you don't know what's going to show up. You know, we see a lot of things where people have multiple accidents and they're trying, you know, but they may have had accidents with people that had a $15,000 limit. So all of a sudden, you know, they had two or three back-to-back accidents. They got really bad luck. But the only one with good insurance is the trucking company. Well, guess what? All my injuries came from that Mm -hmm. accident even though the other person rear-ended me and put my trunk in my back seat all of it came from that trucking company accident so there's a lot there are a lot of moving parts to some of these claims and so that's why it's always good to stay on your toes not get too comfortable don't make an assumption treat it like it's going to, it's going to have a lawsuit with it
1: yeah yeah because it, we've seen it happen too you think it's just a minor incident, nothing's going to come out of it. And then later on down the road, we're trying to recall it. We got pictures, what's going on. Why, before we finish up, what, why does it take so long? I mean, what is the, is it the people just, I mean, because I know when the accident happens, it's not long till they're, they're wanting to get represented by somebody pretty quick to do something, but why does it take so long in most cases?
0: Well, you know, so a lot of attorneys, on the plaintiff's side, we'll wait till pretty close to, they ha- to the time period that they have to file a lawsuit. So here in Louisiana, that's a year. So we may get a lawsuit at the 11th month. So you've already got 11 months that have passed since the accident and they wait to file it. Then once they file, we've got to do responsive pleadings on our side. Then there's written discovery that goes back and forth where we answer written questions. We set depositions. There Sorry, are some let me interrupt plaintiffs-
1: you real quick. So that's part of their strategy waiting tool.
0: Oh, because they can, they, some, for some attorneys it is because they can get a lot of treatment in and get that case really worked up Uh, before we get in a position where we can actually start subpoenaing things Mm. or forcing them to go. Because once we're in a lawsuit, we can ask them to go see a doctor. The company's choosing to have an independent exam conducted. We can't really do that without their agreement. Before a lawsuit is filed, they would have to agree. Um, So there's a lot of things that can occur before suit's actually filed that um, we're kind of handcuffed on what we can actually, I'd say force, that's a lack of a better word, but at least seek the court's assistance to have done. Mm. So it's not uncommon for people to wait till the eve of prescription, which is the eve of the deadline to file the lawsuit to do it. And sometimes the attorneys are just busy. You know, you're dealing with (laughs) it, you're dealing with the fire at hand. So if they don't have to file that lawsuit, you know, yet they're going to deal with other things and then file it before Uh they have to. Uh So, you know, I I can't say it's always that, right, that premeditated, but sometimes they're just dealing with what they got that day.
1: Well, and I, I can only imagine what's on your plate because it seems like everybody wants to sue somebody. For something, you know, there are lots of victims out there, it seems like, that want to get paid. And anything else you'd like to add, Andrea? I mean, you've done a great job answering questions and and helping us realize what's going on out there in the real world.
0: No, I just thank you for the opportunity to come on today. I hope that this assists your drivers in some kind of way, and I hope it helps them feel a little relaxed. I hope they never meet me. Let me Mm -hmm. say that. I hope none of the drivers ever meet me. But if they have to meet me, I hope they know that they have an ally here in us and a friend, and we're here to represent them. We are going to defend them as best as we can. We're probably, they, we may have to tell them some things they don't want to hear, uh, but I hope that they realize that we're on their side. We want what's best for them, for the company, and for the industry as a whole, so that if they do ever have to deal with an attorney, an attorney that's been retained for them by the company that we're on their side.
1: Very well put. Well, I sure appreciate you communicating with us, coming on the podcast. Hopefully you'll come back maybe later on. Sure, I'd yeah, love to. Yeah, we'll get a little more educated on it because th- this is stuff that we hope we're never involved in, but it's happening every day because that's your job and you're busy and, and you're taking care of it. So we appreciate you. Uh, doing that and and being an advocate for the trucking business for sure. Thanks a lot, Andrea. Hey, guys, this is good information right here that Andrea gives us. And I hope you take it to heart out there. Even though you're a safe driver and you had never had an accident, and I hope you never do. But uh, if you do, just remember uh, to cooperate, you know, with the company and the company's attorneys and let's see if we can't make this better for the trucking world out there we we, uh, we've got a lot of good people that's representing us so once again thanks for listening to the oakley podcast every week and we appreciate you and we'll talk to you next week thanks thanks for listening to this episode with oakley podcast trucking business and family if you enjoyed this episode be sure to rate or review the show in the podcast platform of your choice and share it with a friend we love hearing from our audience so if you've got a question, comment, or just want to say hello, head over to our website, oakleypodcast.com and click the leave a comment button. We'll get you a response soon and may even share some of the best ones here on the show. We'll be back with a fresh episode very soon. Thanks for listening.